Thank you, Solari, and thank you, team, for leading us so beautifully this morning. Oh, it's a sobering song. Bring everything to God in prayer. Well, this morning we're going to think about a story, our story, your story, because you know you've all got a story. Can you hear me okay? Everyone? You all right? Yep. Cool. Um, and my hope for us this morning, whether you're online, whether you're here, that we'll be prepared to share our story. Some people seem to be born with a gift, an ability to share stories, don't they? To tell a yarn as such. Comedians are fantastic at it. I love going to see comedians because they're really good at it. And if you come across this fellow, he'll be up on the screen in a minute, Michael McIntyre. Has anyone come across Michael McIntyre? Very, very funny man. Uh, very funny British comedian. Uh, he's able to take the most basic of incidences throughout a day, so incidental com comedy, and make them into a hilarious, um, just long-winded speech, and it's just fantastic. Um, what I've put up there the dentist, because this is probably the funniest thing that um, our, our family just laugh and laugh and laugh. Um, and, and the story goes like this. He needs to get a wisdom tooth out, goes to the dentist. The, the dentist tries to get the wisdom tooth out, doesn't quite make it, has to go to the hospital. The hospital does it. That's the story. How, how long does that take? Like 10 seconds to tell the story. He tells it in over 12 minutes of continual laughter. It is a brilliant, have a look at it. Um, if you've got kids, don't show your kids as such because there is some colourful language in it. But um, it is a very, very funny time. He is just a, a, a great storyteller. And the question I have is, why does such a simple story about a tooth being pulled out resonate with us so much? Why do we get a laugh out of someone talking about having his mouth all, all blown up, and what, what resonates with us? We've all had a tooth out, haven't we? Well, most of us, I'd say. We've all had that feeling of the dribble coming down the side of our mouth. We've all not been able to speak properly after being to the dentist, and many of us will have a horror story at some stage of where something went wrong at the dentist as well. Not with Angel Dental, they're fantastic if you're there. <laughs> Stories have the ability to connect us on a deeper level to one another, don't they? They just have that ability to do it, and comedians do that very well. So we've all got a story. Whether you're a great yarn teller or not, you've all got, we've all got a story, but we're also part of a bigger story, God's greater story, a story that is good news, a good news of redemption, which next week we're going to explore in greater depth. But this week, as we continue to look at the, the final command to, to therefore go, I want us to consider how our story intersects with God's bigger story and the impact that these stories can have on us, but also on people outside of the church. So let's go back to a bunch of verses that we looked at. It was probably only six weeks ago, and I don't normally do that. I don't normally go through a passage and then go through it another six weeks' time. It's, it's the story of Jesus healing the leper, and you'll find it in Luke chapter 5, verse 12, 16. If you've got your Bibles, you might want to open it and follow it along. But if you remember going back probably six, seven weeks, we looked at this passage, and I said we could go along many different avenues with this passage. And then uh, on that day, we focused on verse 16, which is Jesus' response to the situation that's going on. 
And we talked about finding gaps in and through our day as Jesus passed through his day, goes through the busyness and then finds a space to retreat to. And finding the gap is really important in the rhythm of our lives, to seek the quiet place. But today we're going to look at this story again, and we're going to look at the leper this time and his response to Jesus. And we'll see that when we have transformed lives... When Jesus transforms our lives, we have a transformation story that can impact the wider community around us. So let's, uh, let's read from uh, Luke um, chapter 5, and we'll start at verse 12. Uh, let's read from Luke chapter 5, verse 12. Okay. Once, when he was, when he was in one of the cities... Sorry... There was a man covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. Then Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I do choose. Be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him. And he ordered him to tell no one. Go, he said. Show yourself to the priest. And as Moses commanded, make an offering for your cleansing. For a testimony to them. But now more than ever, the word about Jesus spread abroad. Many crowds would gather to hear him and to be cured of their diseases. But he would withdraw to the deserted places to pray. What do we learn about the leper story here? Well, first we know that the leper had, or this man had an advanced case of leprosy. Leprosy today is called Hansen's disease, and it's an infectious disease that is transferred between humans, most likely through nasal droplets being sneezed on as such. Although it's been found in armadillos. Yeah, armadillos. So if you come across an armadillo, and armadillos have apparently infected humans. So if you come across an armadillo, make sure it hasn't got a cold and don't go near it when it sneezes. I don't know what you know about leprosy, but it's... Uh, it, it isn't all about like your arm falling off or anything like that. It's, it's a disease that uh, causes um, numbness in the, in the pain receptors and therefore you're susceptible to burns and cuts and different things like that. And over time that can, ter- can deteriorate your skin and your limbs and things like that. So this man got leprosy. He wasn't born with it, so he's known life without it. However, he contracts lep- leprosy and life changes forever. He was a viable part of society, and now he no longer is. He's an outcast. You can imagine the backstory of this man. His story is one of sadness, one of anguish, one of hurt, one of rejection. We don't know if he had family or whether he had kids. We have no idea, but we feel for his situation. No one would reach out and touch him. His kids weren't able to reach out and touch him. His wife would not have been able to reach out. They would have spoken from a distance. His story is a hard story to hear. His story, though, correlates to God's bigger story because God's story in its simplest form is of a broken world being restored. God restoring humanity to himself. 
So here we have a man who has felt the impact of this imperfect world. And I'm not saying that he got leprosy because he did something wrong, that he sinned or anything like that. Disease is not a punishment for sin, but it's a sign of a broken world. And this man is now broken. Broken body, but you can imagine broken soul as well. But when he saw Jesus, there was a glimmer of hope. Isn't that what the gospel brings? A glimmer of hope. He must have heard about this man, a man who could heal. Perhaps this man could do something for me. And he takes this bold step of speaking out. Possibly something he hasn't had the option of doing before. And he asks, Lord, if you are willing, if you are willing, you can heal me. You can make me clean. He didn't ask the question, can you heal me? He was pretty adamant that this man would be able to do what he'd heard about. And then we hear from the story that Jesus reaches out and touches him. Touches him. Touching a leper was unheard of. And he was healed instantly. Now, Jesus didn't always just reach out and touch someone to heal them. He you spit on his hands. He told them to dip in a pool, to do other things. He did all these different things. It wasn't always the same how he healed people. I've often wondered why that is. But it teaches us different things about Jesus. But this time, the touch was enough. And I think because the touch was scandalous. To touch a leper was scandalous because the leper would make you unclean if you have touched the leper. So Jesus, to reach out and touch the leper, he was making a massive cultural statement. The gospel, the good news that Jesus brings, is that God loves the untouchable and is willing to reach out and touch them. The leper is healed. So then we have in verse 14, um, Jesus says something that is somewhat unexpected. He says, go to the priest and let him examine you. Um, Sorry, I think we started a little bit earlier. Go to the priest and let him examine you. Where are we? And he ordered him to tell no one. He said, go and show yourself to the priest. And as Moses commanded, make an offering for your cleansing. Jesus says, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. How can I not tell anyone? Look at me. I've gone from outcast to, to being part of society again. You're not telling me don't tell anyone. Can you imagine the story of the leper around the water tank at work? <laughs> He hasn't been at work for however many years, and his colleagues know it. They say, hey, Max. I don't know why his name was Max, but hey, Max, good to see you here. Where have you been? Well, mate, I became a leper. <laughs> and everyone's like, what are you? <laughs> don't worry, I've been given the all clear by the priest. I paid my offering, and I've been right to get back to work. But I have to tell you the story. And you can imagine this story that wasn't just Jesus reached out and touched me and I was healed. You can imagine the story that this leper would have shared about this life transformation, about the change that it meant for him in his family, in his society, in everything that he could do. But Jesus said, don't tell anyone. I've wondered many times why Jesus says this. Because when you have the best news ever, you want to tell someone, don't you? Sort of like the secret is too good to keep a secret. You can't. Pregnancy is one of them. When you get pregnant at six weeks, you get the, the, the test, like a COVID test, but not. Um, <laughs> and, you tell, and you tell your parents. That's the first people you go and tell. Hey, we're pregnant. 
They're going, yeah, let's give them a... No, don't call anyone yet. Don't call anyone yet. Wait until week 12 because that's safer for us. It's like the ultimate news you just cannot share. But Jesus said this on multiple occasions. He raised Jairus' daughter from death and he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about it. I reckon people are going to know when Jairus' daughter is just walking around. Jesus, healing the blind and the mute in Matthew 9, he says, see to it that no one knows about this. Perhaps I'm off on this, but I'd, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. But I reckon the key reason that Jesus told them this is because is Jesus didn't want his fame to come through his actions. He'd rather people know him for his message. See, healing was a conduit to the message that was the greatest message of, uh, on earth. The greatest story of God's salvation was so much more important than G- to Jesus than the message of physical healing. Jesus is at this stage. He's already got this big following of people. When you remember at the start, going back to the start of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is healing the whole town. People are coming all through the night to get, they can't get in the building. They're out the door saying, I want to get to see Jesus because I want to be healed. They go in the morning and they say, we want more healing. And they can't find Jesus because he's withdrawn to the quiet place to pray. So people were coming to Jesus, not because of his message, but because of his actions at this stage. So if there were people running around in the early part of his ministry, chasing for healing, not giving room for the message to be shared, it's a, it's a hindrance for the kingdom that God is bringing or that Jesus is bringing. And as it is, when Jesus rides into Jerusalem on the donkey, he's given a king's reception when he's taken away to be beaten and handed over to the people. They then call out, crucify him. Perhaps they saw the actions, but didn't understand the message. Jesus' mission on earth was not just to heal. It was part of his mission. And I said it last week that his mission was that we, his people, his followers, would walk in Jesus' footsteps that we will follow his example in all aspects of life, in how he interacted with people and how he responded to people in his teachings, in the way he interacted with the world, this this upside-down kingdom that he was bringing to this world. And I reckon at that stage of his ministry, the mission had not fully been heard. I wonder if at that stage of his ministry they would have asked the disciples who they thought Jesus was. I'm not sure that they fully would have understood so Jesus says, don't, don't share the story. Yeah, I love this part. The leper, the leper goes out and, well, people would have seen, people would have heard, people would have known. But there's somewhat an act of disobedience. Because in verse 15 it says, but despite Jesus' instructions, despite what Jesus has said, it doesn't say the leper went out and shared it. It says the report of his power spread faster. But despite of Jesus' instructions, I reckon the leper has gone out and gone, look at me. <laughs> and word spread. This man touched a leper. This man not only touched a leper, this man healed a leper. We're not told what the ex-leper went and said. You can imagine he went to the high priest to be cleared and cleaned. You can imagine he told his story to his family. Perhaps he went and hugged his kids for the first time in years. We don't know. Maybe he went back and started having a few drinks somewhere with his friends and told a yarn. I reckon he would have shared his story a few times. 
He may not have stood on a box and shared it uh, to thousands to come and hear, but I think he told his story about how Jesus transformed his life. And I think he probably only needed to share it a few times because as he shared his story, his story found of finding redemption, of transformation, of freedom was a story that connected with everyone else. They may not have been lepers, but they may have been feeling a sense of isolation in some way. And God's story starts to be spread as one ex-leper shares of his interaction with Jesus. We've all got a story to tell. If you know Jesus, you have a story to share. We all have good news to share. Good news of how God interacts with us. In fact, I guarantee that if, if you flip back through the pages of your week, if you were walking in step with Jesus through your week, you could share something of God's goodness that occurred this week. This week, I was really blessed by a conversation that I had with Gillian Southam. And if you're online, Gillian, it's lovely to have you with us. She's not made it back to church since church opened up. She watches online each week, and she was telling me how much she loves being a part of KSBC still. And we had a good chat about life. And I walked away from that conversation feeling really encouraged in my faith that as I grow older, faithfulness continues to be a daily choice, a choice that Gillian is making on a daily basis. As, a side, as an aside to that story, her son Andrew, and Andrew, if you're watching on your iPad, bless you, mate. I miss, I miss Andrew this week. He comes in every single week with the mail, and he drops the mail off into the office. And he comes through with, the, with Simon, his carer, and he comes in and he shakes your hand, and he asks about everyone. So, how's, how's, oh, Pete's here. Where's Corinne? He always asks about Jim. Where's Jim? <laughs> he asks about everyone. He sees people on the iPad and he loves it. And I, he walks away and I say to Joe, how awesome is that? I just feel a sense of the joy of the Lord through Andrew. We've got to look to see where the stories lie. And this week, through the discussions on the possible values of KSBC, I was able to hear the stories of, of, of the starting point of this church I asked the question, what was the first few weeks of your journey at KSBC like for you? And we heard stories of welcome, stories of uh, faithful preaching, stories of, of God using others in amazing ways in this church. The faithfulness of God's people is absolutely evident. New people come into the building as people continue to watch online, as kids go out to youth and young adults groups. God's story continues to intersect with this church's story and lives are transformed. Through this leper story, we see the story of God shining through it. Regardless of whether you went out and spoke it or not, we hear that it speaks as a public testimony to the goodness of God. More and more people sought out Jesus after it. For this ex-leper, he could not not tell the story. His life told the story. And I bet that there was not a day that went by that he didn't recall that life-changing moment. The story of God intersecting with the story of a person in brokenness, rescued and restored. It's a picture of the gospel. And you have a story. 
Maybe your story's in progress still. Maybe you have many stories that intersect with God's story. And you might be sitting there thinking, but I don't have a healing from leprosy story, Pete. (laughs) But it might have been a save from addiction story or a rescued from an abusive relationship story or a healing from some sort of illness story. It may be that God brought a sense of peace in your life this week that was clouded in anxiety. You know, sometimes we miss the actions of God in our week because we let them go by. The small actions of God, and I was talking about this just yesterday with someone, we often don't attribute the action of God to God. We rather um, go, hey, wasn't it great that this happened? Or, and we downgrade the small, or what we would call the small blessings, and not give God the credit or the glory for them. I can, ta- I can just imagine Michael McIntyre if he was a Christian. He would take those small blessings of God. I shouldn't say if he was a Christian. He may be a Christian. I don't know. I don't know the guy. Um, he may take those small blessings that he would see on a daily basis, that we see on a daily basis, and he'd share it in a story that connects with all. And we need to share these stories for two reasons. Firstly, we need to encourage those who are already connected to God's story that they may continue to be the conduit of their story also. How often does God use a story um, or, or something that someone has said to you? A story of how they've stepped out in faith and inspired you to step out in faith as well. Through, through our times of discerning what God was calling Solara and I to do, uh, we sought scripture, we sought people, um, we had people praying for us. But we ended up at Youth Dimension because, uh, as a study there, because we heard the stories of what God was doing through the interns there. We'd seen how, what well, was called coffee shop back then, but it's how Blue Moose um, was changing the lives of people all around Victoria and Australia. We heard about how God was working in schools and the amazing way that staff had been um, sort of expanding the, the, the mission of, of God within schools. We heard the stories and we wanted to be a part of it. And through the stories that we have got of, uh, in, in through our lives, we've, um, how God's worked in and through our marriage, through our travels, how God has travelled through, through the, the many ups and downs with us. I hope, I think it has, our story has been an encouragement to others as well, to those we do marriage preparation with, to those who journey through hard times, we journey with hard times with. I think and I hope our story has been an encouragement to them. Just last week, I was encouraged by Keith and Jeanette Richardson. I was talking to Keith after the service, and he was telling me about, uh, I might get you to share this next week, uh, how they went to a park with a flask of soup to share with someone who was uh, living in a tent there. A great story. An encouragement for me to say, where am I seeking to, or where's God prompting me to make a difference in, in our world? The stories are everywhere. They encourage others in faith. So our stories of God intersecting with ours is important so that we can encourage one another in faith. The second reason why they're important is our stories help us to share the good news of God's continual work in the world to those who don't know him. We're all born in the image of God, but somehow because of fallen humanity, our lives are broken, they're incomplete. Perhaps brokenness comes in many ways for many people. When I was young, I was just ignorant of God. I just didn't, God wasn't a part of my sphere of of life. 
wasn't in any influential space of my life. Football was everything. I didn't know about God. My brokenness was hidden. Perhaps something in your past was stopping you from grabbing hold of the rescue plan that God had for your life. Maybe pain was stopping you, but you received some sort of touch from Jesus. A word from Jesus, a lift from Jesus, from someone else's story, and you were restored. The story of how God transformed the leper, the story about how God transforms the the addict, the story about how God restores a teenager from bullying, or the story about how a young person sitting in church uh, hears about Jesus for the first time and says, I want to be a person of faith. Our transformation story is special, and our story not only transforms us, but it continues to transform others, resonates with other people who have a similar story, who find themselves in the same situation. I remember hearing a long time back a pastor say to me that regardless of how spectacular or unspectacular you think your story is, every story of transformation in Christ is important because there's someone in the room that resonates with your particular story. God will use that for his glory. You've got a story to tell. And where your story and God's story intersect, that's where it will impact those who share your story with. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Set him apart. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared to share your story. A story that is interlaced with God's story because you have a unique story. It's your story. It's uniquely your story. Your story will resonate with others. That's what stories do. That's what the comedians do well. The people you're building authentic relationships, they're going to listen to your story. So don't be worried if you're thinking, my story is not good enough or my story is not wow enough because your story is your story of God's story in your life. So this week, your challenge is to think about your own story. I actually challenge you to write, write them down. And I'm not talking just your testimony that before I became a Christian, I looked like this, and then I became a Christian, and now this is how I am. I'm not talking about a, that sort of thing. I'm talking about where God is intersecting into your, your now, your presence, where you walk out the door and you go, I think I put this challenge out last week, hey, God, who do you want me to interact with this week? Write down where you feel God is calling you to be. Write down when you sense God's given you an opportunity. Write it down that we may remember the stories and we may give God the glory through them. Let's pray. Our Lord and God, we thank you that you continually speak to us, that you can continually share with us that, God, that you are active in our world. God, that it's not us sort of doing mission, it's you doing mission and we're the recipients of that mission to share as well. God, may we never get uh, beyond ourselves to think that we can do this on our own because it's not our story. Well, it is our story, but it's your story coming through our story that is powerful. So Lord, help us 